Welcome back to KafaroCast, everyone. This is Frank here. Across the table from me is Aaron Snyder, and we have the one and only Dr. Phil of the archery world, Joel, Joel Turner. Turner. <laughs> also known as Bo Jesus. <laughs> Bo, Bo Gandhi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thanks for coming on, man. You bet. Thanks for having me, bro. Yeah, no, no problem. Well, I figured it was about time we get a... Well, we've covered Fock enough that we might as well sh- uh, move on to um, yeah. mental execution and shooting form, which actually does matter where Fock does not. Fock <laughs> <laughs> matters, man. Oh, are you a high Fock guy? Uh, <laughs> Get the Fock out of town. What, I'm kind of in the middle there. It's all good. You're happy medium? Yeah, as long as it hits where it needs to, it's good. Yeah, no, no, for sure. So for those that don't, because we don't, um, you know, we've kind of got a pretty wide variety of people. For those that don't know who you are, um, you know, I'll kind of give my spiel. Joel is a a brain doctor of archery, meaning um, if you've got target panic issues, if you've got issues with uh, premature evacuation, if you've got anything <laughs> going on with your with your brain, uh, Joel is a good guy to to get advice for on how to get a, a handle on that. That's the very simple explanation. So, Joel, why don't you kind of take it from there and, and uh, tell everybody about what you do? Yeah. So with with Shot IQ, I just <clears throat> I was a horrible shot man growing up, and I. I just got sick of missing and I had to figure some stuff out. So that's where I just went into the research of why in the hell am I missing all the time and why can I not get my point on the target or get my pin on the spot or whatever it may be. I was, hell, I was locked low underneath the target at, oh, I'd say by about the age of eight. I started shooting when I was seven. So it was a whole lifetime of target panic and I just, it just got old. So I had to figure it out and and learn from my mistakes, and so that's where Shot IQ was born, and here we are today with controlled arrows. When cool. did when did you uh, when did you like first accept that you had a problem? Was that your first the first uh, the first step the first step of the whole thing is accepting that you had an <laughs> yeah, issue? The first step is <laughs> that's what I say. <laughs> right. So uh, in high school, I mean, it, it, when I was shooting, I started bowhunting elk when I was fourteen, and just a horrible shooter. I it, like I said, it always, it took me 13 years to kill an elk with my bow, but, uh, it, in middle school and, and high school, I just knew I couldn't figure out why I was locked off the target. I still shot. Okay. But I mean, I was aiming feet over a target and dropping my bow in there and still, still beating most folks, but it was not, uh, it was not pretty. So that's when I started trying to figure stuff out. And then is, is that like corrective I, bow arming? Yeah. Right. <laughs> I got into law enforcement. And that's when I had to kind of really figure out the whole shooting thing. So it was all good. Did you did you have a coach or did you have like a mentor that helped you when you when you were in those beginning steps, or did you kind of develop your own program then? No, there was. I mean, I read a instinctive archery book when I was twelve and tried to do that and couldn't even do that. So I there wasn't really anybody. I mean, there was stuff written on target panic, but I I tried it all, and uh, but I approached it all that incorrect way i was just hoping something was going to help me you know something like a magic pill but that obviously doesn't exist so it does for some things <laughs> <laughs> oh that's funny so i um with target panic um i'm going to kind of throw my two cents in uh and then i want you to kind of if you don't mind bounce off of what was going on in my mind um what could have fixed it, what could have made it happen, and uh, go from there. So I I went, I was shooting a wrist rocket. This was in the, you know, late 90s and, and winning um, quite quite a bit of tournaments. Um, I mean, doing ex- extremely well for locally anyway. And I literally one day just on the middle of the course got target panic and was shooting – I mean, I was hitting things in the ass, in the neck, low, high, like punching the trigger, couldn't hold on the target. And I, 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 people get target panic and there's all different types of target panic and people get it for different reasons. I got it for, from, um, like the, the, you know, the fear of missing basically. Like I had it in my mind that I couldn't miss. And when that kind of armor got broken, 
and I started thinking about it more and more and more, every shot I took after it kind of initially started only made it worse. And then I tried to shoot my way out of it for a day. It made it even worse. And then I stopped shooting and went and saw a coach and fixed it and got me shooting a, a hinge style release. So kind of explain in your own words what target panic is and, and uh, kind of go into that. When you when you were in that tournament, you know, you had, you'd shot lots and lots of tournaments and you shot really well and you were on a roll, right? I mean, it was it was easy for you to shoot these arrows, and you you became fairly automatic with it. Now, this is I'm assuming this, but this is the pattern that that most people follow. You are a hundred percent right so far, and automatic <laughs> is definitely the right word. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you had this shot. We're like, man, what was that? And then you tried to fix it. I would imagine you'd probably tried to fix it by aiming better. Yes, <laughs> you you are correct so far, sir. So when you started to aim better, your whole thing got into this aim and, and your mind is loving it because it's now using the aim to time that trigger punch. Yep. And as soon as you fall into that trap, as soon as your mind is completely consumed in aiming and not missing and man, I got to make this so I have to have that pin just perfect, it never lets you get there because perfect means the bow is going off. That's why it timed that trigger punch the way it did. So that all happened, and you tried to shoot your way out of it in the aiming realm, but your mind is just making you more and more and more efficient at timing that whole trigger punch with the aim. That's why it jumps you to target or drops you to target or whatever. It's the pattern of the, of the human mind. So when you went to a coach and you went to a hinge, think about how it shifted from the aim to now work in that hinge. Exactly. And, and and I'll throw something in real quick. What you said is, I mean, literally verbatim, step for step, exactly what happened. I got so obsessed with pin float that mm -hmm. I would, my brain would tell my right finger to hammer the trigger. And then my brain would say, holy shit, you just hammered the trigger. And it would tell my <laughs> left hand to grab the bow. Mm -hmm. And I would do that real fast. And sure. then it got to a point where I was holding low. Um, mm -hmm. Couldn't, couldn't get the, the pin up, so I would force it up right at the very end and hammer yep. the trigger. Yep. Um, what they did just quickly at the school is they put a laser on the stabilizer. Um, so when you aim at 20 yards, they film your pin movement at uh, with the laser below the target, if that makes any sense. So you yep. can they're, – they're watching it, and they watch your – they film your body. They film the target. They're filming everything so you can watch all of this take place. And what I quickly learned is um, the pin is going to float no matter what. There's no one, no matter how strong you are, and that if you just let that pin float and get your – and I'll, I'll simplify it so you can explain it better. If you can get your mind in the right position to where it does not um, affect the rest of my shot execution with the pin float, it generally hits where you're aiming at normally. Um, and one thing fr Frank – I told Frank was what, when was that? When I was like, dude, my pin floats all over at 80. I just keep looking at the target and let it rip. You know what I mean? I don't, I, I know that my pin will never stay in the middle at 80. I just let it kind of float around and execute my shot. And it generally goes where I want to. That's, they kind of just showed me, you know, to teach myself that I'm not going to be in control of certain things and to get that out of my mind. Those, yeah. The, the science of it is called visual proprioception. So spell no matter that, Holy <laughs> <laughs> I can spell it, but it takes me like five minutes, but <laughs> visual proprioception is the science of like, when you say you watch that spot at 80 visual proprioception is the feedback that your mind gets. So as soon as it falls off the spot, it's next movement is always back to the center. So no matter, you can't time it. Like you just said, you can't time it. So, no matter which way the pin moves, its next movement is always back to the spot you're looking at. So, you know, when you're just, you're working through that release and yeah, your pin's floating, but you, it's a trust factor. And the laser exercise got you to the realization that you can't control it. The only control you have over it is watching the spot you want to hit. So that's what brings the pin back to the, back to that anchor point, if you will. That's why the whole pick a spot thing, you know, that's been in traditional archery for decades came to fruition because 
when people actually looked at a smaller spot, it gave their their eyes an anchor point to bring that that aim back to. Whereas if they're just looking at the whole critter, the the arrow or whatever would only come back to the critter, not to that spot. So, you know, scientifically, that's the way our mind works. As far as you watch the spot and you let the pin float on it, you have no control over it. There are certain mechanics you can do in your body so that you have less stress and or stabilization to your bow, so you have less less pin float, but it never stops moving. So just get over that, put your pin where you want it, and get to the more important part of the shot. Gotcha. Now, <clears throat> I crack, as many people know, jokes about um, you occasionally on the um, – uh, the, <laughs> what I put the hundred percent of the time, all the time thing. And yeah, they, I, I only do that for my own deficiencies, to be totally honest. I am not capable, um, at this point to execute a shot, um, perfect all the time. I'm close, but I'm not <laughs> maybe, I, maybe you know, 70, I say, 30. I don't know. I got to quit using that word perfect because if, <laughs> if it was perfect, it would go in the X every time. And obviously my arrows don't go in the X every time. However, I get through my trigger, my mechanoreceptive trigger every time. That's a controlled shot to me. So, you know, I would I, agree with that. If I had a little torque in it or, you know, if I was standing all screwed up or whatever, that's, you know, those are things you can control. But my perfect arrow is just simply mentally controlled right so most of them go in the middle uh a few of them don't but they're usually pretty close well and i I think you know and frank i want you to because frank went from a trigger to a hinge style release and he's he screwed Mm -hmm. around with a few Mm -hmm. um one of the things that i when i knew i had this thing licked where when i say that meaning you know i hunted with a hinge or you know i didn't have any problem shooting one was when i could let down on command anytime every time all the time didn't didn't matter um, as I knew, okay, I have got mental control of this shot. And that was a huge step for me. And there's some people that can't aim without hitting the trigger. Um, I mean, those are obviously a little more serious cases of target panic, but once I got to where I could let down, then it was mechanics and perfecting that in the sense of what you're talking about to where, okay, now I'm, I'm executing, a good shot, meaning the mechanic or the, um, the brain portion every time I've got control, I guess you could say the next thing was, okay. Um, if for, you know, for example, um, if I'm on a, um, I don't know, 35 degree slope and I've got an elk coming in or a mule deer or, or whatever the case may be, would be not, you know, crapping my pants with a higher anxiety level. And that's where you, uh, and I've seen it on, on certain guys that you've already helped. That is where you definitely come into play. It's easy to look good on the practice course when no one's around. It's yeah. on high stress. Now, how much do you think, I don't know if you can quantify it, how much do you think that changes a guy um, with an animal in front of him? Well, it, it depends on what you've practiced. You know, if you're if you're a backyard hero, but you don't know how you're controlling your shot. Like if you're if you're not 100% controlled in the backyard, like that that stage that you got to where you could let that shot down no matter what. I mean, that's that's one of the questions of the blueprint is could I have stopped it, right? Because if you can say yes to that, that yes, you could have stopped your shot activation movement, be that your movement to a clicker, be that your grip sear or your hinge release or your index finger trigger. Then you are truly working in a closed loop control system, meaning slow enough that you can gain feedback within the movement, slow enough that you could stop it or modify it anywhere within the movement. And if you get there in your backyard and you understand how you did it, if you've blueprinted that shot, then you take that to the critter, right? Like, uh, you know, I just shot that, that shot on that buck yesterday. It was 10 yards. I like I can't even remember the last time I shot my bow at 10 yards. So, I mean, I, I get the full draw on this thing and I'm having this whole conversation in my head. This buck comes in, I called him in and I, I'm like, I can't believe this thing is coming in. Um, and so he gets to 10 yards. I'm like, for sure, he's going to see me when I draw, I draw back, I get the full draw and he doesn't see me. So I'm like, Oh Christ. Now I gotta, now I gotta stop him. So I give him the old meh. And when I did that, he stops broadside, but he tucks his shoulder kind of toward me. And so I'm, I'm looking at 
this awesome sight picture of this blacktail buck, and I'm looking down the shaft of my arrow, and my mind is still screaming. Even though I teach all this stuff, my mind is screaming, just let it go. It's going to hit him. It's 10 yards, right? But I'm like, no, stupid. <laughs> Get through your grips here no matter what, right? So it's making decisions in my shot. So if somebody gets adrenaline in their system on a critter and they've never practiced making decisions with that adrenaline, then it's going to blow them apart because they're thinking about results, right? They're like, oh my God, that's a six by six bull. I'm going to, I hope I get this thing. And that has nothing to do with you staying in your shot process. So when you ask about the effects of adrenaline, that's it. It keeps you from making decisions because it draws your mind into results. Well, I had a guy ask me a question yesterday uh, about the shot and the stock that he always gets fairly close but screws it up in the end and, and how to fix that. And, you know, my reply was like, you need to get to a point to where you're making conscious decisions on the stock as well as on the shot and, and equally or more so, you know, on both ends, meaning you got to make the same good choices on the stock as you do on the shot or, or, or one, the animal's going to blow out or you get to the animal and then you screw it up on that end. And, and when I say that, meaning there's going to be a time you may want to stop and, and pull your boots off. And there's going to be a time where you want to make a conscious decision. I don't know if my feet can handle this, you know, like I might have to do it with the boots on. And then when you get in, if the animal, when you first see the animal and Frank, I want you to chime in on this here in a second, the one thing I learned with the stick bow is if you've done your job and you get to the animal, he's going to keep on doing what he's been doing. There's no reason to rush anything if you've done your part. Well, a lot of guys see the animal and they're like, holy shit, there's mm -hmm. the animal. I got to shoot. I got to shoot. And they take a maybe a cornering two shot, a walking shot. It's behind brush. It's We've all done some dumb things. Mm -hmm. Making that conscious decision of, okay, I needed to take three more steps and not just letting her rip tater chip. And that's <laughs> other things that you kind of, you know, talk about or, or help people control. And I mean, Frank, how often does that come into your shot process where you're rushing it more than not or, or whatever? I think there's a kind of, I guess for me, at least there's kind of a turning point where you, you have that, you want, the, you want to be urgent. You have that urgency to, to, to shoot or, you know, whatever. Um, I like to try to keep a mantra going of, of, um, you know, don't screw this up and go through your shot process. And that's, I'm, I don't know if that's the same thing that Joel teaches or not, but trying to, you know, make sure my bubbles level and make sure I have my elbow back. So I, I always flinch or compress my uh, elbow in and stuff like that. So I try to think about the shot process of, you know, doing the same thing every time. And I think that's where maybe the perfect practice makes perfect or whatever. But um, I like to have some sort of internal dialogue going when uh when i'm on a stock and, and joel you do talk about that because you asked me i think you asked me without knowing mm -hmm. do you talk to yourself and i'm like hell yeah every time i mean it right. keeps me whole it's what keeps me from going now my mantra is one we probably can't even say yeah. out loud but yeah. it, it, i remember <laughs> yeah <laughs> it it works you know what i mean like even in yeah. the tree stand when a deer's coming in what it does and i don't know if it's a rhythm that keeps me thinking um it, it helps overcome the adrenaline and thinking um i've got a handle on this situation you know what and it's weird it's probably different for everyone how how much i mean talk about that a little bit because that is something you definitely um you know preach or try to teach it is, it is the absolute pattern of success with very successful bow hunters, very successful rifle hunters, very successful snipers, anybody that's shooting in high-stress events. Concentration, in a nutshell, concentration runs through speech. So when you're talking to yourself with this internal dialogue, you're, you're controlling your conscious mind because what you say is what you think. So no matter what your mantra is, you're putting your mind in certain concentration paths and you're keeping it there. But the big thing is the the thing that that's difficult for a lot of people is to get enough experience in high stress events to get to the point where they can even get to the internal dialogue. And, you know, what helps, I'm sure you learned this before, but combat breathing right in through the nose for a four count hold for a four count out through the mouth for a four count hold for a four count that instantly 
lowers your heart rate because when people get into uh, like 160 beats per minute and above, depending on your physical fitness level, when they get to that level, they go to midbrain and that's just fight or flight training and experience. That's all that's in there. So if you know all you've ever trained for is the physicality of the shot and aiming well, well, that's that ain't happening in your in your extreme stress event. So you know you guys are fairly calm dudes. So that's through experience. You're to the point now where you're instantly when the critters coming in, you're starting to think, okay, I gotta do this and I gotta do this and you know, don't screw this up or whatever you say to yourself, uh, that's keeping your conscious mind in that, in the place where it needs to be all the way in. But when the, when the shot comes to fruition, that's where most people really fail because they're like, you know, as that bull's coming in, he's screaming or whatever. And then you guys know when that thing turns broadside, you're like, holy smokes, there it is. I'm going to actually get to shoot this shot. And that's when your brain just goes into autopilot and goes into super drive. It gets ultra efficient in the stick bow world. That's where you see guys pull their bow back halfway and let it go. Right. On that note, um, (laughs) the first, uh, four legged animal I shot, I shot at, I shot low between his, um, legs. And this is where the clicker has certainly helped me. Um, because I collapsed or didn't go to full draw or shit my pants, whatever happened, it didn't end up being good. But I was able to gather myself and execute the second shot and made a good shot. Um, and it was everything you're talking about. You know what I mean? The bear, I'm like, oh my God, it, the bear came in and it's dead. I'm like, okay. And then I'm like, done this a million times and I shoot, but didn't go through anything I was supposed to go through. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? I just let, right. let her rip. Autopilot. Oh, like level nine autopilot. Yeah. And then after it hit, I'm like, oh, he didn't move. And I'm like, get your shit together, son. Jesus. And That's it right there. That's you making the decision, man. Yeah. That's it. it well, and, it, you know, trying to, you can't, it's putting that into words when an animal's, I don't think it's possible. You can try, but, you know, and it could be the largest elk of your life or it could be the situational you know, certain things, the tree stand gets me a little more hyperactive than um, hunting on the ground, um, you know, to talk to myself and trying to get, you know, keep, you know, keep my crap together and, and everything. And, you know, you, you talk about all this. I mean, the one thing, because you and Tom do some seminars and classes where he does a little bit more mechanics and you do uh, the more brain doctor stuff. But, you know, with traditional archery, I mean, and compound both, but you got to have both or you're going to have serious downfalls no matter what. I mean, you can have the best mind control in the world, but if you're a horrible shot, you're limited to fairly close range. You know, even if you're executing a good shot, you're going to get luckier more than the other way around, I think. But I mean, I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah, it's the mental control. I mean, if somebody's got really good mental control, but they're completely screwed up in form, I, I still think that person's going to kill more critters than somebody that's got absolute awesome form, but they can't aim at the target. Yep. Right. So I like to get that mental control first and then I hand them to Tom and he, he does all his magic and, uh, then you get the complete package, right? And it's, but that, that package has got to be delivered on those critters. And that's where people got to practice making these decisions. Like on that bear, you might've missed the first one, but then then you made your decision. So you got to practice making the decision before the first one, right? Like had a, had a guy that was in a, in a pursuit, uh, law enforcement, got in a big pursuit, all the cars crash at the end of the pursuit. Bad guy gets an AR, uh, is he's in the driver's seat. He reaches the AR over the back seat and he's shooting at all the cops. And my buddy is, is firing at this guy and he's the guy's driving like a white car, so he sees he's trying to shoot him through the back the back window, and he's seeing all of his rounds going way low and left in the door, right, which is ineffective. And this is getting back to the decision making part because he ran out of ammo. The good guy ran out of ammo, goes behind his trunk and reloads, and that's when he's like, "Dude, get your shit together." <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs> Same deal, right? But it took him an entire magazine to make the decision. So he made the decision, came out, and ended the fight. But, uh, I mean, that's why I'm training people. you got to make these decisions 
first before you shoot. There's specific times in that shot when you're like, holy smokes, this is going to happen. That's when the next thing through your mind's got to be, I'm going to shoot this shot with control or not at all. And that's what starts the whole process of decision-making within the shot. Gotcha. Now, can you um, talk about um, like the different – well, I'll get you go into the brainy side of it, and I'll talk about the difference between like shooting a oh a hinge style mm-hmm. uh, with a clicker on it, mm-hmm. um, or what where you guys call closed loop and open loop. Can mm-hmm. you explain the difference between those two, so I don't have to? Because I generally screw it up when people ask me. So, in a, in a there's two control systems in your mind that govern all of your movement. An open loop control system is where your brain sends a motor program to the what's called the effector, which is just like what receives the motor program. So it sends a motor program, and then it craps out the output, right, whatever that movement is. Well, in an open-loop control system, the movement is too fast for you to gain feedback within the movement. So if you were talking like on an index finger trigger, the person that punches that trigger that is an open loop control system because when they actually send the motor program and it gets punched, there's nothing they can do in the middle of that punch because the movement's too fast. It gets sent and it just it happens as an automatic movement. And that's what your mind is trying to get to. It wants everything to be open loop so it's efficient, right? A closed loop control system has an extra component in it. So the brain sends a motor program to the effector, but now it's slow enough that it gets sent back through what's called the comparator. The comparator is what says too fast or too slow. It's like a feedback station, right? So it closes the loop. So it sends, like if uh, if you are working through your hinge and you're moving slow and then all of a sudden it stops, you know, you've seen that before. People run in a hinge, it's rotating, and then it stops, right? Well, if you are in a closed-loop control system, the comparator is going to say, hey, stupid, you just stopped. Let's keep this thing going, right? So then it sends that let's keep this thing going signal, and then you start the movement again. Now, what a lot of people do is they'll move that hinge slowly. It'll stop, and then they go open loop, and they punch the hinge, Right. I mean, Which is seen, epic to watch, by the way. Yeah, yeah, you've seen that a million times. So open loop is too fast to stop. Closed loop is slow enough that you could stop it anywhere within the movement. That's the difference between those two. Gotcha. Now, just for using me as an example, I use the the clicker as much as a draw check as I do um, for my shot execution or to, to let me know, I guess, when to fire. A lot of times I didn't want to become a slave to the, to the clicker in the sense of if I had an animal moving or whatever, it's more of a, um, one, a get your shit together, um, you know, flag like, Hey, uh, but the other one is, um, two, just to, for a, a draw check, like, all right, keep tension, keep tension. Cause I can't, you know, firing at the clicker doesn't always work every time. Now, I mean, is there pros to that, cons to that? Am I screwing up? I mean, what do you think? I think that as long as you make a conscious decision, then it's all good, right? So if, like, if that critter's walking by you, if it's moving, if you're shooting a, a shot at a moving critter, you're not supposed to get through the clicker because it's open loop because it has to be timed, right? So any moving targets are going to be open loop. Now, on these other ones, if you... Uh, you know, when you're pulling through that thing, you make you're making a decision in there, going, okay, when this thing clicks, I'm going to let it go. So mm-hmm. it's just that now you're very cognitive in your shot, and you have choices, right? So just don't ever shoot a shot where you're like, okay, I got to get through the clicker, and then you don't, and you shoot it beforehand. That's where you let the old good enough thought get in there, right? Gotcha. And on the both of the whitetails when they were coming in, I actually went to full draw. Mm-hmm. All the, uh, purposefully to the click because mm-hmm. they were moving uh, b- oh. both the bucks and then just held what I thought which seemed to work because they both died but I held tension the whole time because I wanted to get to that draw I didn't want to short draw it and let it go I would have rather drawn through the clicker and then held which is what I did and then I got to the point where I wanted them to be and I, and I shot them um, it hasn't bitten me 
yet. And as long as it hasn't, I, I, I probably continue to do that because I'm making the conscious decision of get to the click, hold, 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 you know, very rarely. Um, well, actually, I mean, maybe that bear when I'm running for my life shooting it, but I don't ever draw before the click. I, I would always draw or excuse me, shoot before the click. It's always after, but yeah. I, you know, it's a conscious, um, you know, decision. Now, um, you shoot with a, you know, a grip sear and, you know, I have a clicker. Um, some people use a touch like Tom talks about it, touching his, the feather touching his nose and you shoot ass backwards. You shoot a left-handed bow with a grip sear. Now, why one do you shoot a grip sear? And then what, what, what do you, why do you prefer shooting? Uh, I hate to say backwards cause that's actually how it all started. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so. The correct way, you know, thousands of years ago, but back, the backwards way now. What advantages do you get out of that and the grips here? Well, so start with the grips here. Uh, I I didn't like having the clicker on my bow, and I mean, as far as mechanoreceptive triggers goes, it's by far the best to to get people to learn their own mind with. But once you get control of your shot, once you get to the point where you're going to get through your trigger no matter what, right? Once you've made that decision, you've lived that decision, and that's a fundamental truth in your life, there are other mechanoreceptive triggers, I think, that work a little bit better because, you know, if you take um, – if you took the back tension out, if you just like, – like the shot that you're talking about where you draw back through your clicker and you're maintaining that back tension, right – your shot is very accurate because you're not – adding back tension during the shot it's already there and it's locked in place you're maintaining it right same thing on the grips here so i don't i have a movement that is uninvolved in my shot that triggers the shot right so i've got my ring fingernail and that little notch on my riser i draw back and aim get it done watch it to keep it right and then i lock my back tension in that would be like you getting through your clicker right? And then holding, I maintain that back tension and I can feel it and I'm aware of it, but my concentration is on the increase of pressure on my ring fingernail. So I just keep pressing that thing, talking myself through that, keep pressing, keep pressing. I can feel that movement. I can feel the pressure increase. Therefore, close loop. I could stop at any time. And when that thing pops, the mechanoreceptors that are in the skin cells of my ring finger send that signal to my brain. My brain then sends the release motor program. So it's a, it's an uninvolved movement. And I, I learned about, uh, uninvolved movements from, uh, God, what the hell is the guy's name? He's a, just an incredible compound finger shooter. And he was kicking everybody's ass. I mean, all these guys are, and he shot sights and fingers and he's just an absolute machine. He kicks everybody's ass, and uh, but he doesn't shoot with a clicker. I'm like, what is this guy's deal? Because, I mean, he's just rock solid on the spot, and he doesn't appear to be doing any movements. Well, on his tab, he's, he had a little piece of mylar that was bent. Like if you're looking at your hand, it's bent out away from your palm. And he would load that thing, and he would bend it against the knock of his arrow when he loaded his fingers around it. So he would do that and then he would draw back and aim and then he would simply uh, relax his hands slightly and that would pull the, re the, the piece of mylar out from behind the knock and it would slap him in the cheek. Now this was all hidden from everybody's view, right? But when this thing slapped him in the cheek, he'd shoot these arrows. I mean, incredible shooting like 540 field rounds with his fingers, you know? Mm -hmm. So, uh, he just was amazing. And I figured out that he is amazing because he's doing, he's shooting a surprise shot with an uninvolved movement. So all these guys that are trying to pull through a clicker. They're, you know, little left, little right. Whereas this guy's just down the center every time. So that's what started me into trying to figure out a system that was more conducive to hunting. That's when I figured out the tab sear which is just a little metal plate that sticks off of your tab, and that started the whole sear system. So you you just put your thumbnail against that sear, and then you press your thumb against your toward your palm, and it pops out of there. Same exact mechanoreceptive action. So I'm more accurate with a 
so I, I took a, I was at RMS gear and I took a full rig feed a bow and I, I went through all four different mechanoreceptive triggers. I shot a clicker, I shot feather to nose, I shot a tab sear and I shot a grip sear. And the grip sear was the most accurate. I shot the tightest groups with the grip sear. So I've just stuck with that throughout all my bows. So now I shoot uh, wingered bows, and he was gracious enough to put a right-handed grip but a left-handed shelf on there. So they're, they look backwards, and it was pretty funny going to IBO Trad Worlds because people would look at me shooting, and they're like, what? what is this guy doing, right? And then I'd have my bow leaning up against a tree, and they'd come and want to look at my bow. And, oh, you shoot left-handed bow? I said, no, it's right-handed. And they're like, what, the arrow's on the wrong side? I said, yeah, they sold it to me like this at the bow shop. I, I don't know. <laughs> is this right? That's funny. <laughs> so, anyways, but the backwards bow thing, having the arrow on the right side of the bow, it allows me, because if I when I shoot with my thumb... Uh, my arrow is not in line with my eye. It is slightly outside of my eye. So if you look at that on a regular on a regular bow, the, the arrow is on the left side of the of the riser. You're always going to shoot like two feet left. So all I've done is taken the arrow to the other side of the bow. I've essentially taken the center shot extremely to the right, which allows me to not be in line with my arrow and still be able to put the arrow underneath the spot. But I can also see the side of the arrow. So it's an awesome-looking sight picture because I get to set the pitch. So I, I get to set the pitch. I can see the side of the shaft, so I set the pitch, and I can put it underneath the spot. That's why I shoot the arrow on the other side of the bow. And shooting with my thumb, I get 2.5 inches more draw length, which is awesome for me because I only have a 27-inch draw length because my arms don't go straight. So. Gotcha. Did you know somebody who did who shot like a unconventional style bow like that before you? Or does I just some... looked at it on the internet. I gotcha. I can do that. I was watching these guys shoot all these horse bows, but when you get a horse bow, it's so far past center that your arrows go way to the right, and you got to like pre-torque the bow and do all kinds of craziness. So I thought I'll just get a bow that's actually cut past center the other way, and. uh I shot it. I had a guy send me a riser, and yeah, it was, I'm like, this is cool. I can do this. So I've shot that way for the last few years. Good. Oh, gotcha. What um, what is your bow set up right now? Like uh, arrows, bow, the whole nine. I mean, obviously the wingered. What are you shooting for arrows and broadhead stuff like that? Arrow weight. Well, I'm I'm kind of vacillating between the Black Eagle X impacts. Uh, with, I, I use the Ethics Archery inserts on those. Maybe work pretty good. And uh, and ACCs, so the ACC they the two arrows act completely different. The ACC is a bit more stable in wind, just because it sounds weird. But the, the ass end of the Black Eagle X impact is so light that the wind the wind hits it, but my FOC is high enough that it keeps the point on track. So, but the the ACCs seem to just the whole arrow seems to stay on track a bit more. I'm I'm still in experiment mode, but I I vacillate between the two. I just shot that buck yesterday with a black flex impact with a 250 grain uh, RMS cutthroat on it. So gotcha. So good. so what? Um, now you offer like a like a program, don't you, for people where they can't come, you know, see in person? Yeah. So I have an online course. Um, on shotiq.com control process shooting and archery world. And we're just about to launch my control process shooting uh, precision pistol course as well. So gotcha. it's, it's the science of how to keep your mind right during the shot. And if you've got major target panic, it's how to practice and how to get out of it and how to think it's, uh, it's, it's science based stuff. It's pretty cool. It's not some poo poo la la. This is going to work for you type of deal. Yeah. <laughs> no, no bro science. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> So kind of going through, um, you know, which it's been long enough ago, like dating back, like when you when most people um, get in on an animal and you hear stories about it or whatever, generally, you know, they're going to have some stories of how they screwed up the particular moment, maybe in the stock or the the setup, um, you know, where they blew animals out. And then once they get kind of maybe the hang of that or they get lucky or whatever, um, they go into the shot and you you find a lot of people 
um, that black out and they cannot remember what happened. Uh, they don't even know if they looked through their peep site, um, you know, in, in, in some cases, or they took the shot and they can kind of remember the shot. They're not sure where the arrow hit. They don't know which direction the animal ran. Uh, and this is daily. Like this happens all the time. Um, how much, uh, I mean, how, I don't know if you could even, you know, quantify this, but how long does it take you to take one of the baddest of the bads and get them turned around? Um, you know, being that they're actually listening to you and doing what you're telling them. The only, the only variance is that person's ability to actually dig down and make a friggin' decision because it really only takes one arrow. If you, if you listen to what I, what I have to say and you go out and you apply it and you shoot that one perfect area, you're like, oh, there it is. And then you blueprint that, like you know what you were thinking, you know what you were saying, you know you could have stopped it, and you know what decisions you made to get yourself into the process. Then it takes this extreme amount of determination to follow that blueprint every single time. And that's where people fail because they get on the roll, right? They get out there, they take the course or whatever, and they're shooting just phenomenal. Like, oh, you're a magician. But then they get on a roll. Right. And then they that one shot. Ah, I didn't get through my clicker that time. No big deal. You know, next time. Oh, God, I didn't get through it again. Right. What's going on? And they it's just they haven't practiced the true skills of making the decisions. You don't have to be that great of a shot if you're a good decision maker. I don't believe that there's natural born shooters. I think there's natural born decision makers. Right. All good shooters get to a certain level and that level is not in the physical state. It's the mental state. They get to a point where they make decisions like, you know, what you need to say at full draw. That took a lifetime of experience. Right. I now know what I need to say during my draw. But those people that are still just out there trying to do good and not saying anything to themselves and bringing themselves into the present of the shot process those are the folks – I mean I weekly – I just handled two phone calls two days ago of guys that, you know, I do pretty good in my backyard. That's why I wrote that that post where you were making fun of with the 80 percent thing. Yeah, right? yeah. Everybody's like, ah, I do pretty good. You know, I'm like I control about 75 percent of my shots and then – but I just lose it on critters. It's, that's because you've never made the decision to shoot every arrow perfectly or with control – or not at all. And until you get to that point, that turning point, you're stuck in this limbo land of not knowing whether you're going to control your shot or not on a critter. And that's, it's a dark place to be, man. <laughs> so. it, it is a very, very dark place to be. And I, I, I think, you know, I say this, I don't, I think I'm prepared enough now where I, I don't think I'll ever get target panic again, meaning I know mentally what I need to do. One, um, I just put the bow down if I'm having a bad day. I don't continue shooting. Um, and I don't, Frank's seen me do it. I'll shoot five arrows and just put the bow down. I'm just as happy taking some photos, watching guys shoot. Uh, I try not to ingrain anything as what you would call into a motor program that's bad, meaning anything from the sense of I'm rushing the shot or, um, you know, it could be I'm just not hitting good. Maybe I'm a little fatigued. I try not to ever force that into my brain so when i'm not shooting great i actually put the bow down do you think that's bad or a good idea i think it's uh it can be detrimental because if because your subconscious basically won that battle you're you're constantly battling your subconscious so if you get out there and you shoot maybe you rush your shot or whatever to put the bow down uh just allows the subconscious go, okay, every time we're gonna every time we're gonna shoot bad, he's gonna put the bow down. Your subconscious doesn't like your bow. It doesn't like your gun. The thing explodes in your hand all the time, right? So it's it, it wins that battle instead of instead of setting the bow down, figure it out, right? Like, okay, I rushed the shot. What did I not do? What was I thinking about during that shot? What was different? What was I saying? Did I say anything? Could I have stopped it? Yeah, that's a great question, right? Were you, were you truly closed loop and did you make any decisions? Well, and I think you're putting a little bit more into it maybe than I 
and I did maybe a bad job explaining it, and I because I understand where you're getting at. Um, I guess what I'm getting at is you don't think someone just has a bad day shouldn't shoot. You think they should try to shoot through it? I think that they should at least shoot uh, to the point where they figure out what was going wrong. Because if you don't ever do that, then, you know, bad days, bad days come. But if you really buckle down and go, I'm going to shoot every shot with control no matter what. And no matter where it goes, right? You know, if I, if I shoot an arrow and I don't hit the critter uh, because of a yardage judgment error or whatever, well, I mean, I shot a good arrow. I, I don't ever want to be going, God, I, I didn't control that arrow. What am I going to do? That's why. I, well, you know, and, I, been- and I don't mean controlling arrow. I mean, just you're just not grouping that well, uh, as well as you think you should. And I think because I'm buying off on some of what you're saying here and some I'm not. I'm not talking that I didn't execute a, a good mental shot. I'm saying that I'm not shooting the groups that I think I'm capable of. And so I want to make that distinction. I've never seen someone shoot themselves out of a slump. I've only seen them make it worse. But I don't okay. mean I'm not executing a good shot okay. in the sense of I'm I'm not rushing the shot. I'm not I'm shooting after I'm making co- cognizant or conscious decisions during mm-hmm. the shot process. But I'm just not grouping that good. Now, yeah. I, I don't know if that changes your opinion or not, because I agree with you that you shouldn't punch the trigger, put the bow down and say, I suck today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I agree with that totally. That's what I thought you were. That's what I thought you were getting at. So as long as you're controlling your arrow, man, it's a it's a personal choice. And that's where I'm always looking at things from. I mean, are you controlling your arrow if, if you're not hitting uh, where you want to or, or grouping like you would? That's a personal choice. Uh, and I, this is where I kind of, I don't, I want to say poo poo, but like, I, what's the word? I uh, naysayed some of the stuff mm-hmm. that you were saying, um, or I'd heard you say, or listened to you initially, and it was more of a, and that's the only reason why I brought this up. It was more of my lack of understanding of what you were trying to say, and Tom was what who had explained that to me. And I wanted to make sure we get this out because people had asked me about this, about Joel's crazy. You cannot shoot yourself out of a slump. And yeah. then when Tom explained it, I'm like, Oh yeah, I buy off on that. Like, sure. I don't, th- I think you're right. I think if you rush a couple shots, maybe put the bow down for a second, take a breather, get your shit together, yeah. grab it and then be like, okay, I'm going to make a conscious effort and, yeah. you know, but if I'm what I'm getting at is I tell people and you may disagree with this. If you're just not shooting good that day, grouping good, don't uh-huh. ingrain shitty groups in your brain. Right. If you're making good shots, scoot closer and execute a shot, maybe without your sight, maybe at 10 yards. Don't ingrain maybe bad juju in your head because you're just not holding well that day. It may be fatigue, but I totally agree with you that. The mechanics of it, the conscious decision portion portion of it, you should walk away with knowing you're doing that correctly. Now, I don't. Do you agree with that portion, yeah, or that's 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 all spot on. I just I just love shooting my bow so much. I don't put it down. But I, uh, I mean, I I guess I have days that that uh, they, the arrow doesn't go exactly where I want, but I I tend to kind of grunt through it and figure it out. But, yeah, I mean it's it's just a personal choice. If as long oh, yeah. as you're, I don't care what you do, as long as you're controlling yourself, that's good. And I use I use hunting and high stress shooting situations for a test, right? Like that black tail yesterday was a test, and I haven't I've been going all year and not been able to. I mean that's the first time I drew my bow back. Yeah, right. All year long, so I like to make sure that I'm using those critters for concentration practice. But as long as you're controlling your business then the world is yours man yeah and i don't think that there's a right or wrong answer i think there's just maybe as somebody's writing that specific chapter in their shooting book yeah they may want to write it one way or the other i just know i have never seen someone shoot themselves out of a slump it takes to take a step back possibly seek help um but I'll take Dave Ziegman, who's been on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Dave will try and shoot himself out of a slump and fling yep. 7,000 arrows. Yep. 
Yeah. But he's never. But again, he also, you know, he doesn't he doesn't use a clicker. Um, he's overextended a bit in his draw length. Yep. Now, Dave's a hell of a shot. Um, yeah. But, you know, and that's the only reason why I brought that up. But I don't know, Frank, I mean, what do you I mean, do you try to shoot through? I mean, because a lot of times I put the bow down and watch Frank shoot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if it if I'm headed down, if I'm going, you know, it's not going the way I want, I'll shoot a few. And if it definitely, if I start, the groups start opening up or something's going wrong, I, I like to put the bow down and come back another day. As long as it, you know, as long as it's not an out of control issue, then then spot on, yeah, stay stick with it. But if you're like when you watch Dave shoot. I've shot quite a bit with Dave too, and he he'll start to get frustrated, right? Oh, he'll when throw things, his bow. <laughs> things aren't when things aren't going right. He tries to power through it, but he tries to power through the physicality of the shot instead of powering through the mentality of the shot, right? So he doesn't shoot with any type of mechanoreceptive trigger. So it's uh, he's essentially every time he shoots, he's practicing his own failure. Because That's every a good time way to put it. <laughs> um, it, he's he's just making his pre-ignition movements more and more and more efficient, and it's a it's a movement that you have no control over. Your your subconscious sends that release motor program when it's ready. That's why the mechanoreceptive trigger kind of breaks that and allows you to be more cognitive in your shot. But you're damn sure never going to shoot your way out of a slump if you don't attack what's going on from the mental aspect. Otherwise you're just, you're getting better and better at failing every time you do that. So, yeah, no. And I, I would agree with that. And, and there's some other stuff too, like that, that I think, um, you know, shooters need to really, I guess I'll ask you what, what is a test someone can do at home after they get done listening to this to see if they have target panic? Cause some people don't understand what it is. What is, I know what I have people do to see if they've got it. What do you have people do or what would you have people do at home to say, yep, I've got target panic? I would have them, if they're shooting a, a mechanical release on their compound, film their trigger finger or film their hand specifically, only their hand. And if they're moving their finger or they're moving back tension, if they're back tension through an index finger trigger or if they're rotating their hand through a hinge or a thumb button or whatever they're doing, the ultimate question is, could you have stopped it? Once you started that program, once you started that movement, could you have stopped it anywhere within the movement? If you can say yes to that and that shot breaks as a surprise and you know exactly how you did it, you know how you got your mind into that movement, then you're golden. If you film that thing and you, and you see this trigger punch or a movement that's too fast for you to stop in the middle of it, then you are dealing with your human mind. I mean, everybody deals with target panic. It's just shot anticipation. It's it's how your mind works, right? So if you can stop it, cool. Now, if you're in the trad bow world, if you're working through, if you've got a mechanoreceptive trigger, again, that movement, whatever that movement is to a clicker, grip sear, tab sear, feather nose, whatever, if you can stop it anywhere within the middle of it and you know exactly how you got your mind into that place, then you're good to go. If you don't shoot with a mechanoreceptive trigger, you should still have a movement, right? So there's the shot has got to be separated into two completely different jobs. Job number one, draw back and aim, get it done, watch it to keep it. You can add some back tension there, whatever you want, get to your transfer to hold position, all that stuff. And then there's a separation to the back half of the shot where you're concentrating on a movement that makes your bow go off being if you add a little extra back tension or whatever it is that you do to make that thing go so you know if people are, are listening to this go do those tests the ultimate question is could you have stopped it and i'm talking about the shot activation movement itself and if you can do that and you know how you did it you're golden follow it every time all right, I'm going to add a little to that, and then you kind of give me some bounce back on what you think. One of the things I have people do is draw, anchor, and let down. If if you can't draw, anchor, aim, and then let back down, you have bad target panic. <laughs> like you, 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 you truly don't have any control because you have somebody telling you to let back down, or you're telling you, you know, you're supposed to let back down before you even draw the bow back, and you can't do it. 
that that's bad. Um, the other thing is through the course of a, of a 20 target 3d course, what I'll do is I'll watch somebody and kind of, uh, ratio it, let's say. If they just punch the trigger on every shot, then that's a problem. But let's say they're shooting a clicker and I'll watch Frank do it. If Frank goes through the course and rushes through that clicker four to five times, you know, I kind of, I'll make a mental note of that. And I'm not like, well, I don't know, maybe I am Frank, but I'm, I don't like really, I'm not super preachy about it. Like I generally don't, well, I don't know, Frank, do I say anything? Sometimes. Um, I mean, and what generally like as we're shooting, I'll generally say like, oh, you rushed that a bit. Um, I don't know. I mean, what I'm trying to go back thinking about when you shoot. Like, what what do I generally say to you when that happens? You tell me that I'm I'm rushing my shot. Yeah, and how how many times do you think you do that on a 20 target course? Uh, I, it just depends, I guess. Uh, we haven't shot 3D in a while, but I would say that a little bit, maybe two. Yeah. So, and I'm only bringing this up to you. Joel, this will round off in the end here. And if I watch someone shoot a clicker and they only get to the click 10 times, Mm -hmm. okay? The guy that doesn't get to the click 10 times is probably a miracle or luck that he got through it half of the other 10. Uh Meaning it's just, but a guy that's that's shooting a hinge style or or just maybe once or twice through the course of the um, range, there may have been a little more anxiety on that shot or or in Frank's case, how I feel is just a reminder, meaning a quick group tightener of, hey, you kind of rushed that one. Um, I think that with that, that is not that big of a deal, meaning you're not beyond hope. Like it just takes maybe a a group tightener occasionally to to get you there because out of 20 shots, you, you should be able to go through all of them. But I know like shooting a 3D course, especially a high stress one, there's probably going to be one out of 40 I might rush or punch or should – and, and generally what it is, the wind will blow or I'm at draw too long and I should just let down. Mm-hmm. And like an idiot, I don't. And yes. the moment I shoot, I know, shit, I should have let down, which is mental weakness is what it boils down to. Um, I mean, I, th- I think anyway. I mean, what do you, what do you think? So the, the big thing from the shooter's aspect of, you know, if somebody says, hey, you rushed that one a little bit. The shooter has to have the cognitive knowledge of what happened during that shot. What was the difference? Did I make any decisions in that shot, right? So you, you told me that I rushed it, and you got to figure out, okay, did I make any decisions? No, I just stepped up and hope I did good on this one, right? So it's getting back to the true skills of decision-making because, like, if you tell that to Frank, Frank's got to go, okay, he's got to take that in and go, okay, what was the issue? Because then otherwise you're destined to repeat it. And unfortunately, it's going to get repeated at a moment of truth in an extreme stress situation. Right. So if you let that little guy in there, right, he, he'll, he'll wait for the opportune moment and then he'll blast you into autopilot. So it's just from the shooter's perspective. If you tell somebody that, you know, hey, you rushed that one a little bit, maybe ask them, uh, you know, what, what were we thinking about during that shot? And they got to be able to tell you to be able to discern what the what the the issue was because when you when you gain that little bit of knowledge you're like okay it's so much easier to combat the next time it comes in then maybe he catches that one you know 15 targets down the line that that is going into autopilot and he's like whoop hang on a second he's yeah, and i don't talking, i don't know if i've ever done do, do i ever ask you what you were thinking on that shot <laughs> i know i said you're rushing it but yeah um Nah, I mean you probably have a, a couple times here or there. I and I'm I'm overly anal with my shooting, so when I do something stupid, I'm like my own worst critic, and yeah. immediately break it down. Like, all right, dummy, why yeah. the hell did you do that? And and sometimes uh, every well, not sometimes, it's mental weakness every time. It's not, and it doesn't happen very often. But when it does, I'm a mental. I'm I'm immediately like, I knew I shouldn't have shot that. Yeah. Why the hell did I shoot it? And sometimes yeah. Tom Clum watched me draw back seven times and my clicker came loose uh-huh. and let down and walked up and was laughing. He's like, see, I would have shot every one of those. I'm mentally weak. <laughs> and 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 so, but there's always, when I shot against uh, Luke with the compound, shave the head thing, uh-huh. out of those 40 targets, there's two I fired off before the clicker. And it's mental weakness or fear or whatever, where I uh-huh. totally just, you know, punch the clown 
and didn't yeah. do what I was supposed to do. I got lucky and hit the targets or whatever, but I knew yeah. inside mentally, like, Jesus, yeah. Snyder, it's just yeah. shaving your head. Get your shit together. But yeah. it happens. And, I mean, I, Frank, how often does it happen with you? What's that? Just ripping through the shot. You can see Frank's not paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it, it does happen when you lose focus. And I think that's one thing that you bring up a lot when we're, when we're shooting. You notice I shoot better when i'm focused and there's something on the line or there's we have something at stake whether it just be a friendly bet or whatever i shoot i tend to shoot better than i'll i'll get bored or i'll get you know some place yeah add will kick in or something like that and i won't care and you're like dude you notice you shoot worse when you're not focusing as much and yeah, it's, yeah well, as, as soon as your arrows lose value they you start to just kind of go through the motions and unfortunately those motions are usually the physical motions and not the mental motions so you know i i try to put equal amount of value on every arrow to where you know no matter what i'm going to shoot with control if it's a high stress deal like if i'm shooting against you aaron i'm gonna i'm gonna damn sure get through every i mean no matter what no matter what, I'm getting through that sear. It might hit the target, it might not, but I damn sure ain't going to shoot a shot without getting through that sear. And I tell you what, stressful moments like that for the mentally weak are a remedy, a full-on recipe from Betty Crocker to get target panic <laughs> if you're not, in my opinion, if you're not. Yeah, because that's how I got it the first freaking time. Now, I know now, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, people just try to do good. They're like, oh my God, this is like for all the money. Right. And they come, they go blank minded. They, they try to fall back on their training. Well, that shit don't work in, in extreme stress shooting situations. I hear cops talk about all, well, I'm going to fall back on my train. I'm like, you are going to miss, you're going to fail. I, I don't know how many times I've told Frank, and maybe I haven't, and I'm just remembering that I have where you see guys under pressure, put their nose tighter in the string than yeah. they ever have or they're gripping their bow more or their yeah. shoulder tension or their alignment is out of whack because they're trying to muscle in that pin into the target. Yeah. Um, they could have, and, and, and I'm, I'm not saying this like I'm perfect. I have fucked up everything possible when it comes to shooting. So I'm speaking from experience of screwing up. Same thing with an animal. How many times do you see, I mean, when you hear guys I shot high, I shot high, I shot high. And I'm like, well, I know there's a couple reasons you shot high because I've shot high a lot. One, you're peeking over the top. You're, you're, you're looking over the top or high right or high left. Right when it goes off, you're peeking. And same with it. I just did it with my stick bow on a freaking doe. I, right when I released, I looked over the top to see where it was going to hit because I wanted to watch the mythical arrow flight. Like, yeah, right. And I saw it go right into the dirt. Um, and so, and there's there's multiple issues with that. And, and again, what Joel teaches, which even though I poke fun of you occasionally, I strongly urge people to go see you because the mental game, in, in my opinion, is much harder than the mechanical mechanics of archery. Um, it's not that difficult to get a guy in good alignment and firing a release correctly if his brain is functioning properly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And on that shooting high thing, man, I think it, uh, I mean, I shot high yesterday. I end up shooting that buck in the spine, but when you get adrenaline in your system, it changes your muscle tension. I mean, that's what it's there for. It's there to make you stronger in your, in your moment of need or whatever, you know, I mean, that's in survival situations when you get adrenaline, I mean, you hear about people lifting cars and all kinds of crap. Well, what do you think that does in your archery shot? You know, like you said, it adds all that tension in places that you don't usually have it. So uh, that's where the the clicker, you know, people tend to rip through their clicker on critters and or click it early, you know, if they're using it as a mechanoreceptive trigger. So um, and they just got to be careful with it because – it's very difficult to practice that level of adrenaline and what actually happens to your body. So, but keeping your mind right in that moment of truth will significantly help with your evaluation of what's going on in your shot. So it, it makes for much, uh, much more controlled arrows on critters overall. No, definitely. Frank, you got any other questions? Yeah. What, what, what do you do to, to simulate the adrenaline? Do you do anything to simulate the the, the rush uh, that you get or anything like that? Or shoot it... at each other, Frank. <laughs> yeah. 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 So it's, it's almost impossible to get that level because you can do physical exertion, all that stuff, but it's completely different. I mean, you're not usually, uh, 
at that high of a level of adrenaline. And I mean, you're spiking your, your heart rate. It's blowing up above 160 and all that stuff. So it's very difficult to replicate, but it's a lot easier to manage when you have knowledge of what's coming, right? Like what is going to happen to my body and my mind at this moment of truth? And when you practice that controlled shot every single time, no matter what, you fall back on mental training, like making the decisions at specific moments in your shot. And it helps immensely to have that, that cognitive mental control when your body's going, holy smokes, let's kick this thing's ass or whatever, you know? So, uh, it, it's just knowledge. Knowledge is, is a, a big factor in that whole c- control issue. Tr- trigger time, basically. Yeah. I mean, trigger time with, with critters, if you can, you know, if you can go to Texas or Oklahoma and just shoot at critters that cause you some stress, right? Like rabbits don't do it for me. Right. But yeah. hogs do because them bastards never stop moving. Right. So working through a mechanoreceptive trigger, using that hog for concentration practice, no matter what, you know, getting through that sear, no matter what, even if you have to follow it on a moving critter does, I mean, you learn huge amounts that, uh, you know, that are hard to get anywhere else. Gotcha. Frank, you got anything else? Mm-hmm. Well, man, do you got anything else you want to add before we hop off on here? We're about working on an hour. Just, I mean, I want people to be in control of their business. I want them to just make decisions. It's, it's not difficult when you have the knowledge. So get the knowledge, shoot controlled arrows. It is an amazing feeling knowing how you're going to shoot every shot for the rest of your life. It's pretty cool stuff. Gotcha. And where can people find uh, find you on uh, social media as well as your website? So shotiq.com is my website, and uh, you can get all the control process shooting online courses there. I'm shot underscore IQ on Instagram and shot IQ or Joel Turner on Facebook. Gotcha. Well, man, I appreciate you uh, coming on and, uh, you know, what you're doing to help uh, people in the archery community as well as obviously the law enforcement and firearm community. Don't uh, don't take it. Uh, Joel is on a SWAT team. Don't hold that against him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, man, I appreciate everything you do. You make my life easier because I just pawn people off on you because you're much better at it than I am. I'm like, I just started this shit called Joel. I barely got my shit together. Uh, you guys are this. This podcast is awesome because it's real, man. It's it's good stuff. It's down to the nitty gritty. Cool, cool, man. Well, thank you again, and I definitely will have to link back up uh, in a few months here and do another one or another month or two. I know people have been bugging me about getting you on. So. Cool. Well, I appreciate you guys having me. All right, man. Thanks, Take it Joel. easy. All right. Thanks, fellas.